0: Before we get into this week's teaching, I just want to pause for a moment to tell you about our Spirit and Word Leaders Summit coming up in March 2017. Dr. Sharon Stone is going to be with us, incredible prophetic minister with great insight. Mark Stevens will be leading worship, there'll be other guest speakers and myself, and we'll have 24 hours from a lunchtime on a Tuesday to lunchtime on Wednesday to grow as leaders. We want to build incredible, spirit-filled churches that are growing and changing and transforming the communities. If that excites and interests you, come along to be with us. Bring your team and let's grow as leaders. Go to revivechurch.co.uk to find out more and to book in. We are on a series of favour and outpouring. This is a year of favour and outpouring anyone who can grab hold of it. Favour and outpouring is there for you. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. It's simple. And yet we make it so complicated. We just have to believe in Jesus. Because what did Jesus say? Jesus said, if you believe in me, I will go to my Father. And my Father will send the Holy Spirit and will cause an outpouring on your life. An outpouring and an anointing of the Holy Spirit. What's anointing? It's favour. What's anointing? It's outpouring. If you want the outpouring of favour of God in your life, you believe in Jesus and the Holy Spirit overflows. And something I've been looking at really recently is it's not just Christ in me. It's there in in the Gospels all the time and I missed it. It says the Holy Spirit was in them and among them. And we understand that we have not necessarily it. Well, Christ is in us, meaning the anointed one is in us. But actually, the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to be in you. The Holy Spirit wants to be among us. His presence wants to be among us. We want to be able to walk into a room and his presence is not just in me. But it's wherever I go, just flowing out. And it's like, he's on me, and he's in me. I'm in him, he's in me, I'm in him, he is in me. It's all mashed up, can't work out which is which. But I know God is here, and I love his presence. So if you want to turn with me to 1 Samuel 16, I want to show you a bit about the anointing, and of course, make it a bit more complicated. And then just go back to, yes, it's just all about Jesus. It's all simple. Because preachers like to do that, don't they? Anyway, so 1 Samuel 16. One of the people who has the most favor on his life in the Bible is King David. He has the title, well, no, Jesus has the title of the son of David. The audacity of that title, that there is a human being who lived, who wasn't God, and yet Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to call, well, Father's going to call Jesus the son of David. I mean, what favour is that? So I want to look a little bit about uh, David and how you attain favour and how you stop favor and outpouring in your life, which is very important. So we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 16. And uh, for background, Samuel is kind of like the celeb of the day. He is the go-to man. He's like, see signs and wonders. Everyone knows about Samuel. It's, it's like there's the king. Well, there was, wasn't a king. Yes, there was the king me right there was Saul but then there was Samuel and Samuel was the real real deal he had the wall power and he was he was the sleb of the time and he's going into this little town which you'll know from from Christmas carols Bethlehem to go and anoint a new king and we know that it's David but nobody in the story knows it's David so don't don't spoil it and tell them it's David he's going to anoint Samuel doesn't even know who he's going to anoint so if we pick it up in verse 4 16 verse 4, so Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the city came trembling, scary if Samuel turns up, to meet him and said, do you come in peace? If Samuel came not in peace, the city was in trouble. He had that much power, that much anointing. But fortunately for him, it says in verse 5, yes, I come in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord, consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. As like, surely, like, this is the man. If anyone's going to be king, this is it. So I'm just trying to make it in like our own language. Um, But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. Harsh, because I have rejected him for God sees, not as a man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, I think that's right, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Lord has not chosen this one either. Next Jesse, and it goes on and on. And all of these sons of Jesse get passed before Samuel. And Samuel goes, no, not the right one. No, not the right one. And then at verse 10, it says, verse 11, sorry, and Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all the children? And this is a, a real kicker. And he said, there remains yet the youngest, and behold, he is tending the sheep. There is a younger one who I have not bothered to invite to this feast. Samuel, big cheese of the day, big dude of the day. You want to meet Samuel, and you want all your children to meet Samuel. And yet somehow... Jesse has overlooked David for this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Why is that? Well, theologians do go into it, and, and, there, and there is uh, a, a, a very popular theory But actually David was born in an illegitimate, well, he was an illegitimate child. By looking through the Psalms and, and, and saying that I, my, I was born in sin. Now, we don't actually know, but Jewish scholars and Christian scholars do, a lot of them do think that's the case. So it could be that Jesse was ashamed. I don't know. We don't know. I, I, I could hold, preach a uh, no, big sermon on, on making things up. We don't know. But I do know this he was overlooked and forgotten what happens next and he said there remains yet the youngest and behold he is sending the sheep then Samuel said to Jesse send and bring him for we will not sit down until he comes here we will not sit down to this feast until who the guest of honor comes who is this feast in honor of? We know, we know the end of the story. It's David. And yet the king leaders and his own family have not bothered to invite him or do not think he's valuable or not even given him a thought. I, I, I have Psalm 23 in my head, which um, David wrote. And he says, uh, he says, and you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He had to walk through the elders and his family who rejected him to take the seat of honor. You see, God loves the hidden. He loves the hidden. And he loves to just completely mess with our minds and with our culture and our thinking. He chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He uses the foolish things of of this world to shame the wise. Just because you feel rejected or just because you've been overlooked doesn't mean God has. His favor is there ready to be poured out. And let's take Psalm 23 for us, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's with friends or so-called friends or whether it's in in church circles or wherever it is. There's this promise that I will get to sit down at a table and all the people who accused me and told me I would never do it. And I was nothing and I was rubbish. Have to watch my victory meal. God anoints. The hidden. I've got a prophetic word for this uh, for this year for this church, and I, I gave it in Cottingham, and it basically says this: that this year we will see the people we have written off do amazing miracles and see amazing things for God. People will amaze us—the ones we think could never see a miracle are going to see miracles. People who we think we can never transform a family and transform a life and bring people into the kingdom will see the favor of God poured upon their life and we will see the fruit. People we, we regard as, as I call them, Fruity Loops fruitcakes are going to shame us all. People we think don't deserve the favor of God, even though that's not again, you know, we, we say they do because of our theology, but really we think, no, they don't, if we're honest will see the favour of God poured out on their life and see miracles and favour in workplaces, in homes, in streets, in schools, wherever they are. It's the year of the Lord's favour. It's the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus, who did he go to? He proclaimed the year of the Lord's favour, then who did he go to? He went to the notorious sinners. He, he, He left. He left the established what was then church behind and he went and found a tax collector and said, I'm having you. because God just loves to mess with our minds because it's not about us it's all about him we're just clay vessels and what he wants to be able to do is put his glory in us and just through our weakness show his amazingness anyway I'm getting off point sorry so what happens next so he sent and brought him in now he was ready with beautiful eyes this is David so he was handsome And the Lord said, Arise, anointing, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. What from? As soon as the anointing was poured on his head. For you, as soon as you believed in Jesus, he goes to the Father in heaven, pour out the anointing. Pour out the anointing. You have all the power you need from when? For when you first believe. You don't need to go to Bible school. You don't need to be a Christian 10 years. David had it from day one. You have it from day one too. But let's just follow the story because this is interesting. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servants then said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. Let our Lord now command you, servants who are before him, let them seek a man who is a skillful player on the harp And it shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you, but he shall play the harp with his hand and you will be well. So the Saul said to his servants, provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the young men said, behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skilled musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech and a handsome man. And the Lord is with him. But this is the point I want to make. Imagine this, the scene. You're David. You've just, you know, shown your brothers and the, and the elders who's who and got anointed by Samuel. You're the now the king, G, the king cheese, whatever that is. You're the anointed king of Israel. Where do we find him? In a field, tending sheep. I don't think the family believed it that he was the king. He's been left in the field. And if you go on the story to, to, to the bit about Goliath, what, what did the, sons, the other sons of Jesse turn around, his brothers, say, what are you doing shirking? Get back to the sheep. He's brought them food and still they're having to the go at him. You see, the, the transformation and journey of God is different to what we think. We might get in a prayer line or we might have a prophetic word over our lives and we think, yes, everything's going to change. Everything's going to change. My life is going to be different from this time forward. That problem I had is going to disappear. That job I hate, I will no longer have it. And then you still have that job. And you pray for a tra- transformed marriage and your wife or husband still the same person they were the day before. But you see, what was David, what was God showing David? He was saying, David, I've anointed you to be king. Go and prove it with the sheep. Go and prove it where you are. Learn to use your anointing and the power that I've given you with the sheep. And then he goes on to be in a a palace with with Saul playing the harp. Go and choose your anointing there. And then he has a band of ruffians and villains and and other renegades. And God says, go and show your anointing to be king there. He didn't go from field to palace. He had a journey where God used the journey to hone his skills. So for, although he had all the power, he didn't necessarily know how to use it at that point. God wants to use you on a journey. But often we pray for God to take us away from circumstances. When actually God says, wait a minute, I've given you all the power. Go and change your circumstances. Don't try and escape from that marriage. Go and change that marriage. Don't try and escape from that job. Go and change that job. Learn to be a king. Learn to reign and rule where you are. If you don't do that, you will never get to the next stage. He had the power to be king, but he had to learn to use it where he was. You see... The best diets always start tomorrow. (laughs) Or have you ever told this lie to yourself? When I get a new, less stressful job, then I'll start my quiet times. Or when I get my pay rise, then I'll start tithing. God wants you to demonstrate his favor his glory and His power and the situation you are before He promotes you to the next one. But we love to just put it on to the next day, to tomorrow. to when, Well, when I'm in that position, I will pray like that. When I'm in that position, I will give like that. When, I, when I'm in that position, I will love like that. No, you need to do it now. Otherwise, you do not qualify to get to the next stage. Don't blame your circumstances. Create the world you live in. So, on this journey, what was the next step of favor? It was from the, sh- the, the field to the palace. How did David get from the field to the palace? We've already read it. It wasn't because of his anointing. It wasn't because of the power of God on his life. What did Saul search out for? A skillful musician. wasn't looking for a really anointed musician. He was looking for a skillful musician. Now, when the, his... His age, come and find David They say, well, he's skillful, he's handsome, he's, he's a good moral character, and God is with him. So brilliant, but we've got the skillful bit for you. I sometimes hear people, and let's, let's put it for worship team, because I was part of worship team and I understand it, and this is musicians. And they'll tell me they're an amazing worship leader, but God has put his glory and anointing upon their life. And I'm thinking, brilliant. And I go, well, go and show me something. And they go, well, I haven't learned to play guitar yet, and I don't really know how to sing yet. Or they play, play, play something and it's really technically terrible. If David wasn't a skillful musician, he'd have never got to the palace. What often stops us moving in the favor of God and the, and the anointing that he's given us is not the power. He's given us that. It's because we don't learn the skills to take it somewhere. We're not going to put anyone on the worship team who can't play an instrument or sing. You may be anointed to the cow's comb home. It's not happening. I hear people and, and they tell me they're anointed to preach. And I'm thinking, well, that's really good. But at the moment, all you can communicate is stuff about yourself. And it's intelligible and nobody understands it. We're not going to put you on the pulpit if you don't know how to communicate. It doesn't matter how, how anointed you are. People disqualify themselves from positions, not because of anointing, but because they haven't invested in practicing, haven't invested in skills. You may tell me you're going to be an amazing children's worker, but if you're not willing to learn how to to do safeguarding, you can't be part of the children's team. Don't say you'll do it when you get there. You won't have time. You see, it's not really about the skills. When when I used to lead worship and stuff, the best times were when I had a band which knew exactly what I was doing because I'd worked with them for for years. And when I knew the song so well, I didn't have to work out where my fingers were going. I didn't have to work out what words I was going to sing. I didn't have a sheet of music in front of me. Why? Because I had learned my skills so well, but I didn't have to refer to that. What's that mean? I can look at God and look at the people and let the, the power of God flow. That's what you need your skills for. That's what you need your talents for. On the other side of the coin, we get, we get the other issue. We see lots of potential of budding leaders in this place who are anointed, who are skillful, and yet we can't put them in any position. Why? Because they've disqualified themselves again. How? Well, they go out on Friday nights and get hammered. Or they don't know how to speak to other people and just rude and obnoxious, that's the word. You're very quiet. If your life is not of a certain standard, if your morality lets you down, you're hampering the anointing which is on your life. You see, you can be very anointed and be very immoral. The anointing doesn't really go away. It's just that you cannot be used. God is like willing to use you, and he can't because your immorality is getting in the way. How did David get to the, to the palace? He was skilled, and he was of good moral character. The next step. is is the Goliath. Now we have David and Goliath in, in in our language as an iconic phrase about the underdog going against some strong force. David would not have got to the next stage in his development of favor if he hadn't faced Goliath. David wouldn't have got to the next stage of his development if Goliath was another shepherd boy with a sling. It's an iconic story because Goliath was such a big target to take, such a big giant to take. If you want to move in favor and anointing, there are some Goliaths you need to slay. There are some Goliaths you need to face up to and take down. Nobody's going to talk about So if you're in the office and you pray for your headache to go away and it goes away, people are just going to think, yeah, you just did it. But if you pray for someone to get out of a wheelchair in the office and it happens, that's a Goliath. People are going to take note. You may have Goliaths in your life of, of debt, of insignificance, of insecurity. But if you do not take risks and take on your Goliath, you will not be propelled into favour with man and being able to use the favour of God. Have the worship team back. But the last point I want want to go on is what we finished on in the worship time. I said, what can stop you walking in your power and your anointing? It could be because you you refuse to get on with the job right now because you're waiting for tomorrow. It could be because you're not skilling yourself up. It could be because you're not living a moral life. It could be because you're not taking on the giants. But where does the source and favor and outpouring of the life of David start? Why was David accepted when all the other brothers were rejected? The other brothers didn't even have a chance. They didn't have the anointing what was it we know David loved prayer we can tell that from the Psalms and from the tabernacle he set up and I know many church leaders and I've gone to conferences and and they're telling you how to build churches from zero to 35,000 and some of them have done it like in 15 years and they and they can tell you all these amazing things you can do but they say but the real secret is prayer Start of days, the real secret is prayer. Jesus will build his church. But to get back specifically to David, David was a man after God's own heart. What's that mean? It means he searched for God. He longed for God above all else. I want you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus, more than I want anything else. We used to have a song, more than Oxygen, I Need Your Love, and we used to sing it and probably not really know what it means. But the defining characteristic of David is this. He was a man after God's own heart. In Psalm 27, he writes this, One thing I have asked from the Lord, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord." Forget the king, forget the robes, forget the, the skilled, skillness. And I want to be an amazing musician. One thing I seek, it's not my fame, it's him. It's not, it's not people to recognize me and value me. No, no, I, I just want to value him. Paul puts it like this in Philippians 3 verse 8. I count all things to be lost in the view of knowing Christ. I count them all rubbish, worthless to gain Christ. And as I told you earlier, what's he talking about? He's talking about his Pharisaic upbringing, his, his bringing up in the law, the Old Testament. And yet he says, all that I count rubbish for this, knowing you, Jesus. We can often have, things which replace Jesus in our life in church circles it can often be my vision for my ministry my love for my ministry is bigger than my love for Jesus even and we, and we, we think we're doing God's will and really we're just fulfilling a, a vision and dream which he gave us rather than Jesus himself but I count all things rubbish apart from knowing him for some people, it might be that they want to get a spouse. And this is the year of the Lord's favor, so they're available. The anointing of God is on you. Be blessed. There may be one or two things you need to do to acquire one, like brush your teeth and be of good moral character. But if your vision and, and longing for a husband or a wife is bigger than your longing and hungering for Jesus. You don't have that favour and that outpouring backing you up. Because one thing I seek, and it's him. Not my fame, not my ministry, not even my family, not even relationships here. It's completely sold out to Jesus. You are everything. You complete me. You consume me. I don't care if I serve you or do anything else. If I don't have you I have nothing. See what is prayer? I said at the start, God anoints the hidden. What is prayer? Jesus says you close the door and you go in a room on your own and the father meets you well, what that means his presence has come into that room, but you're hidden. And what does that word prayer in the Greek mean? It means this, a divine exchange. So when you're in that field like David is, or maybe in the room in your home, and you just close all the doors and you say, it's just going to be me and you, God, nothing else. I'm turning off my phone. I'm turning off every other thing. I'm just going to concentrate, me and you, because you are everything. The Father shows up in your room and the anointing of God is poured out in your life you want to move in power, if you want to see things change, spend some time with Jesus. Spend some time with the.